we are used to the idea of utopia as an imagined place. It's often a community located in an alternative fictional reality, on Earth, but in another universe. A made-up world where the plot twist is often that although this place seems like paradise, is really built on lies and horror. Stories we tell ourselves are full of cautionary tales that not only is a building paradise an impossibility, even attempting to build it is dangerous and realistic. Aim high and you will fall further. It is not a projection into a made-up world. Utopia is an intelligent vision of the future, a manifestation of political or religious project, a blueprint for whom should all live our lives. One day, if you would only join the party or the church, perhaps we all will. These, like the literary utopias, are usually abstract intellectual exercises, rather than concrete attempts to forge a new community. But what if you actually try to build utopia? How do you go from a favorite dream, an inspirational blueprint, to concrete reality? In 2004, I was living through a travel guide to Andalusia while on holiday in Seville and read a fleeting reference to a small remote village called Marina Leda, a unique place, a communist utopia of revolutionary farm laborers, it said. I was immediately fascinated. could find almost no details to feed my fascination. There was so little information about the village available beyond that short summary, didn't guide the book or the internet. Or on the lips of strangers I met in Seville. Ah yes, the strange little communist village, the Utopia, few of them said. But none of them had visited or knew anyone who had. No one could tell me there really was an Utopia. The best anyone knew, and anyone who had, anyone, the best anyone could do was to add the information that had charismatic, eccentric mayor with the prophet's beard an almost demagogic presence, told Juan Manuel Sanchez Cordillo. Eventually I found out more. The first part of Marinaleta's miracle is that when their struggle to create utopia began in the late 70s, it were from the position of abject poverty. The village was suffering over 60% unemployment. It was a farming community with no land. Its people frequently forced to go without food for days at a time in a period of Spanish history, mirrored in uncertainty after the death of the fascist dictator General Franco. The second part of Mara de Leda's miracle is that over three extraordinary decades, they won. Some distance along that remarkable journey of struggle and sacrifice, in 85, Sanchez Gordillo told the newspaper El País, We have learned that it is not enough to define utopia nor is it enough to fight against the reactionary forces. When must build it here and now, brick by brick, patiently but steadily, until we can make the old dreams a reality. There will be bread for all, freedom among citizens and culture, and to be able to read with respect the world peace. We sincerely believe that there is no future that is not built in the present. It is a dark night, cold, despite it being summer, and there is no moon lighting the way across the 
islands, the plateau is still wind making the dry grass steer. Fire bugs circle around, disturbed by roaming animals. And the cattle in their pens watch nervous as two strangers enter a large estate and make their way to the main stone house in the middle of the farm. One is Kenyona, holding a cigar in the corner of their mouth, wide brim hat decorated with flowers, turning aside as the bells of their traditional dancing dress ring as they turn to their companion and knock on the door. Berserkers wearing the same outfit that Marty McFly wore, or a similar outfit that Marty McFly wore when he first went to the Old West. <laughs> this loud, garish, kind of 50s-ish outfit, the uh, Western outfit, rather than a, you know, an actual Western outfit. <laughs> Kiana's probably giving them the side look, like, throughout this entire time, like, why are you wearing this? It's you're going to get if you weren't the biggest strongest thing here they would totally beat the crap out of you in fact I kind of want to beat the crap out of you and I'm a pacifist that's probably what she's thinking but yeah I guess they're coming up to I don't know the the ranchero or whatever yeah the door open and uh, you can see a young man on uh, his late 20s Tops early 30s that he's wearing old black leather boots and shine it to an obscene degree parade grade like of someone that has too much free time to get that kind of shine and a very well trimmed mustache and beard and the cold stare of someone that is used to have his way yeah you're the oh Right. He seems to recognize King Owen. It's you. Come inside. I guess we go inside. Yeah. Yeah. And inside, it's this large room filled to the brim with hunting trophies and a big ass fireplace where there seems to be some meat being grilled. And there is black kettles nearby. And there is this long oak table and standing there you can see a young woman in her late twins that seem to be playing with the tarot deck and she turns around your arrival was predicted seems you will be coming back home with the troubles Kenyona and Kenyona ignores the young woman and goes straight to adjacent kitchen where there is this Old lady on her 60s, the matriarch of the Freireza family and the owner of this cattle empire and the people that matters talk about. And she turns around and she was looming over her eldest daughter, which seems to be painting something on watercolors and examines you with her good eyes while landing on a cane. I knew you could trust on you, Kenyona. Even born in that cursed island, I know that you are of the soil, that you will not fail us when your people needed you. 
and King Ernest sits on one of the benches and puts her shoes up on the table and lights the cigar again. I heard you have been troubles with the Ferreira Betancourt. It's the first thing that my aunt said when I came back home. And Alexandrina, before she continues, she looks to Berserky, as if wondering who this person is and how freely they can talk. Uh, hey, he- hello. Uh, I am one of Kiana's uh, co-workers. I am here to assist her and her family in any way they deem necessary. Co-workers? Huh. And she raises an eye of suspicion but does not say anything. Is it related to the family business? The Almeida's? And before you can say anything, Kingana says yes. That's exactly as much as we should talk about it. Now, what kind of trouble you've been having with the Ferreira's Bretoncourt? Oh, you know, they keep poisoning our waterways. They keep making holes in our fences with the cattle run away. They keep snatching away our milking contracts. They keep overbooking the butchers so that we have to let our herds in during winter. All the kinds of annoyances, you know how they are. They only, they don't know nothing about valleys. They only think about money. They don't know about the land and the relationship with it. And I heard that they go to outsiders, us, to cause troubles to us permanently, to scare us. You know, pistolators, the real deal. Americans, from what I hear. And I thought, well, Ingon is around. Again, she's one of us. Why not hire her to put some fear into these Americans? And Kingana leans towards Brother Kier. My friend here is quite busy. You need to make it worth their time. So tell me, do you like Zazia this job? What you gonna need? The Freireza are known for their generosity. Don't be afraid of overindulging in their hospitality. And Kingana has this shit eating green as she looks at the matriarch, trying to put her in a disadvantage. What's a good money range? Something like, actually... Also, it will be interesting what you would want to be paid on. Yeah. Dollars, pesetas, scudos, francos. Yeah. Uh, probably straight up gold. Like, that's really what Berserkir would know more. Yeah, makes sense. Like, I, I will take, uh, gives a pound of, like, poundage of certain, I, I don't know gold very well. Uh, probably a couple pounds of solid gold. So I'll take 200 pounds of raw gold. Raw gold? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the artist, the eldest daughter, Lucy, she turns around with a sneer like, oh, gold red swine, raw gold. Uh, I come from a land that does not appreciate paper money as as most civilized nations do. Well, do you appreciate goldsmithing? And the matriarch pulls down her somber dark clothes and reveals a lot of strings of metals, gold, and pulls out a smaller one with three or you only like it raw. 
uh, raw, and I'll have the craftsmen I, I know back home uh, forge it into something that we and that I can use. Mm-hmm. And Kenyana gives you this stare to you, like, the fuck? Why are you offending them? Don't ruin this. Oh, <laughs> I apologize if I off- offended you, but maybe. I'm trying to say this as politely as possible. Like I'm trying to say it like whatever your skill can uh, do, and I'm not trying to question their skill. I'm trying to like say, hey, if you're if you're truly a skilled, give me something really good in gold. And Kingan is like, don't apologize. That's worse. You're supposed to be an artist. Double down. No. Oh, double down. <laughs> Take it. Uh. Berserker's such a thembo. <laughs> Don't think I'm worth it there. I, I am very willing to demonstrate uh, my abilities for you. Oh, that's right. And uh, you see another another young man. This one definitely on his 30s. Uh, that seems to be carrying a Bible with him as he comes in. And he puts it on the table. As he puts his cuffs back, a ghost told me that uh, Kingona and another sheep have wandered by. Mother, we have no need for them. Again, me and the ghost, we are good enough. We'll tell you saw it on the cards. We can solve these problems without any interference from outsiders. They don't even appreciate what you're trying to give to them. They are like swine before pearls. Berserker's gonna act like they take offense to that, but and, and maybe uh, you know I think this may be the arc where they learn like you know the subtle art of negotiation rather than you know going to the challenge, but that is not right now. So Berserker says, "If you think I'm not good enough, I am very willing to demonstrate my strength to you personally." I see. Well, how around we how about we go outside? Very well. And uh, the Freireza, Stefan, Otelia, Augusto, and Lucy, but surely not the, the matriarch, because Andrina. We go to the back, in which seems to be a small courtyard. There's a, a small patio, which there seems to be some herbal gardens. You know, I mean, there is a bench near a water fountain in the middle. And Stefan. Walks around the place as August looks nervous. So, what is your poison? Do you dance? Not necessarily. Uh, like, do do I know what he means by dance? Like, dancing, dancing, or fighting, dancing? You know that they are from the Kenyanese culture, so they probably have the same time of martial dance. Okay, martial dancing. Uh, in a different way and pulls out their axe and it goes to a point where you know they wouldn't cause a lot of damage to a structure but mostly to the land and just kind of does this massive cleave that will cleave basically cleave the land put the axe away uh, do some you know pagan prayer and just kind of push the land back together so there's an obvious like now scar on the land, but it was clearly split, but it's back together into a usable format. Yeah, and Lucy, she laughs. Oh, oh, 
Mother, come see this. The outsider will plow the Ferrater's fields. They'll plow more than their fields. Oh, wait, that came out wrong. Never mind. Well, the I'll go to the guy with the shiny wood says, I want to say that messing up with the melon, Marisa, will be good enough to. Hmm. I'm not convinced. What else can you do? I guess I will leap and kind of do a superhero Hulk landing kind of deal far away. Like, other than straight up fighting, it's like, yeah. Okay, now we are talking. We have a deal, King Arne. Put a good show, scare them, and hopefully that's the end of this pettiness between our families and things can go back to peace. But those damn food ride a bit in cool knowing their place. I mean, they just got a bunch of Americans. How good can they be at anything compared to the two of you? And that's when we cut to the estate of the Ferrari Bettingkul. On the opposite side of the plateau, vast wet fields separating the house from a massive industrial pig street. Inside, you can see two very large adult sons flanking all that as his daughters. They seem to be going over the books. And... That just then filling his pipe as there is a knock in the door. Oh, or guests must have arrived. Amelia, please welcome them in. And the doctor that is holding the books closes the ledgers and opens the door. The door uh, swings open. Uh, we see Johnny Jennings in full highwayman regalia. He's wearing the long leather duster. He has the, the bandana uh, up around the lower section of his face. Um, he's got Stetson hat on, a big sniper rifle slung across his back. And uh, he looks up sort of wordlessly and just kind of takes the brim of his hat and just tips it. John Doe is wearing a uh, blue collared shirt with the top button unbuttoned. The collar flat, not popped. He has a white strip tie on, not a bolo, a strip. He has a black hat with a black band with a silver medal in the middle of it and blue jeans. And he cowboy boots and it looks like he is having the time of his life. We get back to Santiago to a place that we have not been in a while, which is the command center of System 4. And it's the three of you that are there alone. So what is each of you doing on your consoles? The whole chicken pecking thing with typing, trying to type up a report. About what are you reporting? I don't know, something uh, possibly... What was the what was the Christian superhero that moved in lately that I that I was responsible for? checking out mm, a rapture rapture that's right yeah uh, probably something about them like maybe they had an altercation with a a priest of some sort and it, they, i had to basically try to had to deal with it priest was arrested of course because they were bad priests johnny is making it look like he's working on important system four business but really he is um i think just working on like a personal project um, I think he's just like he 
Johnny's the kind of nerd that does math for fun. So I'm pretty sure he's just like working on probably some sort of like deep space scanning tech that like I think he's justified it for himself as like, well, we could use this for system four. like system four could get a lot of use out of this if I make it. But it's really just because he just wants to know if he can. But did he think if he should? Does any comic book scientist ever consider if they should? (laughs) No, that's why I brought it up. (laughs) Maybe for a second before they do the thing anyway. I wonder if I should do this. Oh, look, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. He's pressed so many. He's pressed so many buttons at this point. Oh, press the button, highway man. Press the button. It's big, red, and shiny. <laughs> he's dealing with the button suck cost fallacy. I, pre- I, pre- I pressed so many buttons. Now I got to see it through. John Doe is actively typing a report with one hand while also writing a note that uh, over the shoulder you can see what do you and Liz want to do for lunch folding it into a paper football and bouncing it off the wall into uh, Voidwalker's lap if she's there if she's not it goes to Highwayman she's not there it's only a trail for you <laughs> then it bounces right into Highwayman's lap yeah that note lands in Johnny's lap and he like looks at it for a minute and you see his face become confused and he like looks sort of over at John Doe and then he writes back on the note, wait, did we have plans? And sends it back. John looks at it, sighs very heavily, continues to write on this rapidly filling up his paper. Yes, we said we would do lunch with her today because she's been very busy. Where do you want to go? You inconsiderate, terrible parent. Folds it up, doesn't another crazy bank shot. I think this time Johnny's ready and catches it. And I think looks at this note for a long minute and like we see his face go through like confusion and then sort of like we see him like thinking back and then realizing that like we definitely haven't talked about this and choosing not to address that. And it's just like just like writes down like a time and place that we should go to and just sends that back. John Doe carefully looks at it folds it up, eats the paper, writes another note to Berserk here that says, hey, uh, you want to come to this place this time for lunch later with me, Liz, and Highwayman? Uh, the only caveat is you have to act like we played this months in advance. And then bank shots it to Berserk here. I kind of feel that Berserk here is like in between you and Johnny and has, and has just been seeing the note fly by just the whole time. Just like just just because I think it's funny seeing that thing. Yeah. Just like, I'm sure I'll figure out what's going on there in a minute. I, I think as, like, yeah, it's like as the other note, as the other note flies to Vezirk here, Johnny looks up and he just goes, John, why did you just eat that piece of paper? Opsec. John, 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 it's, it's just the three. You could have like, it's just the three of us. You could have burned it. No one would have noticed. Yes, I'm kind of. I'm kind of wondering: Are they monitoring us again? Like, I, I thought we. Des- I thought we decided against uh, the union. Decided against uh, the monitoring. You could have put it through the shredder. Like, why are we doing notes? Uh, I'm not going to start a fire in a small building. They can reassemble it. Uh, it just seemed more fun this way. All right. I mean, so you, I mean, you could have led with that. Oh, okay. So I don't. I don't need an explanation. If you tell me something sounds fun, it's like I don't need explanation beyond that. 
it's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go to that lunch uh, that we planned months in advance. Yeah, thank you. Well, I mean, we did. Okay. All right. We all knew about it. The only reason Voidwalker's not coming along is because she has that important business. She told us that when we made the plans. She's got to go uh, something about messing up the Junior League World Series or something. I She only very, very briefly covered it. Yep, I uh, I remember this entire conversation that we had just momentarily slipped my wi- my mind while I was doing this very important work. But I remember all of this. We're all on the same page. I don't think we are. I think you're you're covering for yourself again. Mm-hmm. We're all right here. We're all here in this moment that we all pre-discussed months ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Berserker's just nodding. They have no idea what's going on either. <laughs> but they heard food. The fact is, this is three people who made up a thing and are all pretending like they know what's going on. All three of them are doing that. Uh, excuse me. John knows that this is and just yeah, sure you remember. Do you remember why we're getting together? Yep. Sure do. Real well. Mm-hmm. So you have a gift prepared, because me and Berserk Gear went and got one together. Yep. Got my gift. It's wrapped. It's ready to go. What'd you get her? Oh, you know, I want it to be a surprise. Huh. Johnny Jennings is absolutely the kind of person who just has stuff at his place that is just like, uh, I don't really need this, but I'll give it to somebody if I want to or if like if I need a gift. So he just has like things that could be gifts. It's a wild, it's a wild assortment of things like, you know, like for like some people, it's like nice spirits and like, you know, some wine. A lot of it is a lot of it is alcohol because Johnny believes that alcohol is sort of the gift that nobody ever really is bad about. Obviously, this wouldn't be great for these ones because they're children. But uh, yeah, he's got like some various some bric-a-brac and stuff. Yeah, Johnny would totally be the person that has just gifts ready to go. And yeah, gift cards and wrapping paper 100 percent. it's like yeah he, he has all of that as i don't think he has it like at system four but i will say this because we have previously established that johnny keeps his bike in like he has like some storage spots around town he's got he's got gifts in those various storage spots just like just in case so in this case he i think is just like making a mental note of just like trying to think of things that uh that Voidwalker and Aurora might like and I think his main thought is just like he has probably I think like some memorabilia pieces that I think would be that he thinks would be cool so he's just like I mean I could give her those uh, give her those dice that Billy the Kid gamble with probably like that you know use them for those those crazy games or I can give her that old Louisville slugger uh, from first run of production that would be pretty alright do you want voids to murder her? Well, no, he's not saying any of that out loud. <laughs> it's like that's that's all internal monologue. But like he's just <laughs> thinking like she likes baseball, so she could use it to play baseball. On one hand, I believe that toys for children should be played with by children. That's why I hate the collectibles market. But on the other hand, somebody was like, yeah, my uh, my my teen uses my first production run Louisville Slugger to hit some balls in the batting cages. I would be a little shocked. I don't think Johnny has a great recognition for the idea of just like this thing is valuable. Like, like he thinks that things are meant to be used. So like, you know, you should feel excited about like this is a first run Louisville slugger as you're using it to hit a ball. Like 
not just like it should never is like I, I guess he doesn't yeah he doesn't really see the value of the collectibles market either it's, it's just like this is you know we're supposed to the things are meant to be used but yeah I'm... but uh he yeah he's just like yep yep uh I, I've got gifts um yeah they're good to go look this is this is a big day yeah no honestly John Doe is giving him the most like smug face. Uh, he's not reacting at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that it's, uh, it's finally here. You know, you know, just like time, it, it, it never stops. No, no, it doesn't. So, anyone got anything interesting on the reports or? Uh, Johnny for the first time like actually checks his reports. Do I have anything interesting? Well, not really. But that's when the call comes, and it seems to be coming from um, Kenyonis Telex. Is her Telex ringing? Do you want to check it? Do you want to check it? Should I check it? Should, should, where is Kiona? Yeah, it's coming from her field. Oh, I'll answer it. Oh, oh, I got confused. Yonda walks over. I know we've been over this, but it's been so long since we've used one of the foundational pieces of the setting. The Telex is... A crazy quantum mechanics phone, correct? Yeah, it's just a telex machine that works through quantum encryption. Okay. John Doe picks up the receiver. You've got John Doe. Yeah, and the text shows up. Hey, uh, is this system for? Uh, yeah. It's typed on the paper. This is the doors in Salamanca. Teresa Concordia. Go ahead, Teresa. What's going on? So, I was left this machine by one of your agents. They came here to look into the situation in Spain, but they had to go urgently to their homeland. And it has been one week. They have not come back. I figured I should contact you. Uh, that's the correct move. Stand by. Give me a minute. I'm going to discuss it with other important agents. Hey, guys. Yeah. Do any of you have any, like, apocalypse-class events showing up on your uh, readouts right now? Uh, no. Nah, everything's pretty quiet over here. All right, cool. Kiona went missing in the mountains of her homeland. Her homeland that she uh, only talks about occasionally. Well, shit. But I guess we gotta go... I've never been to... Where's Salamanca? Okay, this is just me showing my ass. It's Salamanca is in Spain, yes? Yes. Okay. And then, and then we see the Indiana Jones map-style screen, and we hear plane noises as a plane flies across a big map with a dotted red line going behind it. <laughs> what is the kind of thing, if anything, that any of you will know about Spain? It's a country. I would also know that it's a country. Allegedly. Alle- uh, I, allegedly. I know it's currently in setting ruled by a fascist. Famously. So John Doe probably would know that in a general sort of sense of like, oh yeah. I would probably know that, and I think I would also know if there are any openly active Moon War vets there that I'm keeping tabs on. Check all. And... Yeah, I think that I think that about sums up like I I think John Doe may have only been there if he had to travel through it. I don't think I've ever made an incident a reference to an incident anywhere in there yet, which means that's a blank page. And yeah, that's the thing. 
Spain has been ruled by the fascist group of Franco, and it is suffering through it, and had to concede the state to an American compact trading complicity in world empire in exchange for meager relief packages. The United States saw such benefits in a pliable Spain and find them and their overseas colonies an excellent source for mercenaries, which they have folded into the NATO. In effect, NATO has played a crucial role in suppressing indigenous populations in Catalonia and the Basque Country and propped up the failing dictatorship. In fact, NATO Central Command is in Spain as the nation became their main operation site on Europe. And uh, the two miracles of neoliberalism, besides occupied former Japanese empire, is the Spanish miracle that became one of the main industrial base for American companies. It is amazing the wonders of what a captive workforce with no unions or any kind of labor rights does to production and cheap consumer goods. So the thing is that recently Franco has died and his appointed successor is the king. Yes, uh, after the nominal Republic of Franco, it's going back to a full-fledged monarchic dictatorship. And the king, Alfonso XIV, has offered a new opportunity of rebranding the regime as a democracy that is more aligned with the American interests as it befits the NATO command center in Europe. And uh, yeah, we have neoliberalism with Spanish characteristics. Isn't it not delightful? And Alfonso XIV is presented as a modern monarch, a patriarch looking over a dynamic industrious democracy, taking care of his children that have suffered so much. Do not look into why they suffered and why they keep suffering. The thing is, even this illusion of democracy, this figment of progress, is making fascists displeased. And uh, Spanish mercenaries and uh, former disgruntled generals have been used by, by the CIA everywhere. And they are in contact with other people. And uh, they are especially unhappy with right next to the border to NATO Supreme Command, there is the PREC, what is the former imperial power of Portugal that has been disbanded after the revolution. And it is known only as the ongoing revolutionary process. And you can imagine, fascists are very nervous at this happening next to the border, as is the CIA. And there is talks that Alfonso XIV is making plans to bring peace into their unruly neighbor. And this is basically what King Yona has been doing there. You know that there was talk about movementations of Austrian and the South African and exiled Portuguese fascists being seen around as they seem to be mounting out plans. And one of the places where they seem to be doing this is in Salamanca, is where the DOS called for interventions. So the question is, 
How are you making your way to the country? Considering this is pretty much almost as hostile as infiltrating America itself, I have to say. Because again, NATO Supreme Command. Luckily, John Doe is about to leverage uh, content warning for something that's, that may be deeply upsetting. The true secret of moving through any country like that. It's not about hiding. It's about making sure that people don't want to see you. Which is pretty easy with this group because we already have the look for it. Our disguise to travel across the country is going to be simple. Because we're a hardy bunch. We are going to dress up as veterans of the most recent global conflict. And we're going to be homeless veterans of it that are backpacking across the country looking for migrant work. The type of people that those in power don't really want to see. And in fact, we don't even have to state which conflict. Just fought in the big one. It's an easy disguise. And one that we might be harassed occasionally, but surely no one is going to look at us and be like, oh yeah, those are the System 4 guys. Okay, that's it? Oh yeah, we take a plane. I mean, I mean, I know anyone has a better plan. Do we know when teleporter can just get us there? I mean, it's going to be a bit tricky. I mean, from where is the question? We could land in England, but I really don't want to go back to England. I'll never go back to England. I'm just saying, you guys are just going to let me make up fake countries on the podcast again? Well, we already made that one up, so I feel like that's that's kind of our limit. We don't need to make up more. I don't really want to travel via void portal for reasons. We can't just take a light plane, a plane made of light, because they're definitely going to shoot at that. Can we take the long way around and go in through France? If I remember my geography correctly, which I might not be. Hold on, let me look at a map. No, we can't, because I'm bad at maps. We could just go directly to Portugal and then go in through Spain that way, but that's that's going to be harder. I still think going across Spain is probably going to be both the easiest and hardest, but easiest, most dangerous? Uh, we could go to Morocco, take a boat across. We could go to Morocco. It means we cut out a lot of the travel time. But I don't know where Morocco stands in the world. Like, are they part of the third world? Are they part of the... Well, Lou, what's going on in Morocco? So, technically, a lot of people that won't classify as Moroccan, they are part of the non-elected movement. So, remember what I just say about the Americans finding uh, the colonies of uh, Spain very useful? Yeah. I also find the colonies of France very useful, too. Mm. Technically... They are an independent power after they stopped being a protectorate for France. In uh, true terms, they are now very aligned with the Americans. But uh, it's more a thing on the upper echelons of the government because the current government has been put by them. So there's a lot of friends of uh, other third world nations and even on the cybernetic movement in Morocco. And I'm taking it's probably about the same for Algeria or whatever it's called back then. I don't remember. Mm, no, actually, Algeria is uh, independent. Mm-hmm. And is a proud member of non-Lagnon movement. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to cross the Strait of Gibraltar, but I don't know if that's even possible to cross. I, I don't know. Uh, Algiers to... Well, and that's going to get in problem with the British. Yeah, you're right. So I forgot. At the time, Gibraltar was owned by the Brits. And by the time, I mean now. 
Oh, still now? I forgot. I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not up on current world events. It's not. Wait. It has not changed it. Let's yeah. bust out a classic disguise, a classic system for disguise. Let's do arms dealers. We'll land in Madrid and then take the way to the front. Okay. Or, you know, you can land in Gibraltar and say that you are British. What? What? Tea time? Where's the whiskey? <laughs> Wait. And we. We did beat up those British arms dealers last time we encountered them. I I actually, if if it means that I get to hear Bezerkir pretend to be a British person, I'm 100% on board with this plan, because that's incredible. <sighs> it does keep us from ending up, I mean, because fascist governments do love one thing, and that's kidnapping people. That gives us a higher chance of not being kidnapped. Actually, I'm all right. I'm pro British arms dealers. Hold on. Our arms company's name, Monarch Arms. <laughs> Gods. <laughs> we are Monarch Arms, and our motto is nobility in design. You're welcome. Let's go. We're- all right. Raytheon 2, the sequel to Raytheon. We they listen to podcasts. They will arrest us. Raytheon for a man. <laughs> Raytheon for women. So that you can girl boss your way into a knife missile. Okay, that joke was gonna get way too dark. I, I'm I'm cutting it now. <laughs> so you make your way to Salamanca and you meet with uh, Teresa Concordia, which is a teacher at uh, the local university. And uh, she meets you on the back of uh, a coffee house near Plaza Mayor. So, you were pretty fast in coming here. Uh, so, what do you need? And she returns to you, Cagnones. Telex. Honestly, with the Telex, I think we just, I think we just need a direction. Unless someone, unless you have something she left behind, so that maybe we can try like a tracking spell. That'd be pretty cool. So she went to the Min and Plateau. That's on Prague territory. I think she's from a village near Cidad de la Bexu. And I guess from La Bexu, you can get there easily. But uh, you had to cross the, the frontier and find her. I figure that there are not so many of them. If you say that you're looking for her, you're going to find easily directions. And the problem is going to be across the border. On their side, you don't expect much controls. Like, ever since the regime fell, there's a few armored forces that are keeping things in check, but they're not very interested in border control. But that's not the same on the Spanish side. I appreciate your concern, but without ego, I can say that uh, System 4 has never met a, a border we couldn't cross. We'll find her. But thank you for calling us genuinely. Yeah. So what does what is your plan to invade the, the fascist patrols and cross the, the Doro River? Hear me out, guys. We ambush a patrol. We steal their uniforms. And we just drive right across. Uh, yeah, I mean, famously, that uh, has never gone wrong before. So tried and true. 100%. Absolutely. How many of you speak Spanish again? Johnny also definitely does. Uh, John Doe definitely does. Berserker has all speech, remember? Yeah. So, so the key point is, how many of you speak Spanish without sounding like 
South Americans. Oh, oh, John Doe 100% sounds super South American. I was actually predicting that this would be a question. Googled what the name for that dialect was. Delian. Well, that's the Spanish one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, no, Johnny does not sound Castilian at all. Johnny sounds uh, his. I think his Spanish accent is Cuban specifically. (laughs) Specifically Cuban. I think I think John Doe's is almost 100 percent very Mexican because we've covered him foot traveling to South America. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, Hmm. Wait. Hey, Berserk here. Huh? And you uh, talk to the Earth Spirits and have them make a tunnel? Uh, probably one that wouldn't be noticed. Like, it would be pretty... It would be very difficult because it's... <clears throat> under the river. Fuck, river. Yeah, like... Uh... Can you make the Earth Spirits extend a tunnel through the river? Or just kind of through the middle of it? None that wouldn't be noticed by some other magic user or something. I'm trying to find this river. Where is the river located? I mean, I will say this just thinking canonically. I mean, I don't know how because we have established previously that the bike has like an underwater mode. So if we can tunnel to the river. Yeah, we can just take the bike across the river and then tunnel back in under the ground. That's a thought. I'm going to reply to that with a single picture of what you are talking about drilling through and falling on. Oh, yeah, this that's for the. Pl- oh, oh, I see. That's a pretty that's a that's a notable river. That's a that's a river. All right. <laughs> I mean, we do have our... Oh, yeah, no, that's that's a drop. <laughs> okay, so we make a tunnel <laughs> to one of the... <laughs> to one of the walls, and then we sort of launch the bike. <laughs> we launch the bike into the water. <laughs> I think it would be easier to make a bridge at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, this is my favorite dumb John Doe plan yet. Oh, no. I'm so excited. <laughs> Jump. <laughs> Uh, John Doe could John Doe has leaping as a power John Doe could jump yeah so could Berserk here looks like we're going to have to jump but no 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 so these are fascists at the border they need supplies Uh, I think our east this is so I love it why don't we just ship ourselves there (laughs) first out of the crates on the other side and we're good (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's that's stupid let's do that <laughs> that could be the entire that right there could be the entire sort of tagline for everything we do for this entire season it's just yeah that's stupid let's do that think about it genuinely here's what you know it's a it's an oppressive fascist regime which means 90 percent of inspectors are not going to do their job well for fear that they will open it and actually discover a problem because you do not want to be the one box inspector's like, hey, we're short like 10 guns here. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. It tracks. Not wrong. I welcome other plans. No, I, I like this one. I like the I like the us being in a crate plan. 
I mean, this is a shorter teleport, too. We could always call someone and see if they'll teleport us. I don't know. Last arc. Yeah, but you will be remote. Yeah. Yeah, I I did teleport us a short distance, like not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, it was not very successful and it hurt us a lot. It is. I I actually there might be some. I mean, we can always also just try to sneak across. Well, no, they're not going to let us just cross. We don't have any good reason to cross. That wouldn't lead to us being detained. Yeah. That- mm, yeah. Okay. We build a catapult. Finally, my area of expertise. Everybody stand back. <laughs> Sounds goofy as shit, but I actually do think there's some legitimate legs to shipping ourselves there effectively. We put ourselves in a big crate and we ship ourselves there. Got to make sure we got air holes. Yeah. Once we get to the base, we cut out and we just run. They're not going to like, or we wait until nightfall and then cut out and run. Even if we're just closer so Yokim can teleport us. I'm Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's not like a better plan. Corsado probably just, I just remembered a canon thing that we have. There's teleporters to stop teleportation because teleporters exist. So that would probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember that because that was something that Voidwalker does for us. She stops teleporters from coming in. Yeah, there's teleport chaff. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, I will not be worrying about the Spanish authorities. I will be worrying again. NATO Central Command. Yeah, it is NATO Central Command, which means they definitely have someone there to superhumanly monitor that. Yeah. Now, Bren, you did say canon, and I know you were talking about sort of the idea of story canon. What if we build a big canon (laughs) and just shoot ourselves out of it? Yeah. And assuming this is a NATO blockade, is it? Yeah. 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 It's tricky. It's complicated. Like it's not as obvious a blockade. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's not an obvious blockade, are they? Are and I mean, I'm, we could find this information out pretty easily. Are, who are they? Are they letting anyone cross the border, or is it only soldiers to to enact more violence? They are basically not letting anyone pass the border. Okay, we always repeat the plan we did in uh, Argentina. Pretend we're important people doing something important and they'll let us through. But there's a decent chance that these these guys aren't. There's a shot they call an inspector. You know that they have been sending fascist mercenaries of defeated powers to pass through to cause trouble on the other side of the border. Oh, oh, then we'll just do the mercenaries plan. We'll dress up and put on the we're here to cause problems and they'll let us through. We'll just say the paperwork got held up. I'm actually, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, just look fascist enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, get the worst fashion sand, be massive cowards. Uh, wear short, short shorts for some reason. Why do they keep doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it seems that the appeal of uh, fascism is mostly twins. <laughs> I... <sighs> You're not wrong. Hmm... I mean, no, no, you're not. (laughs) 
I'm not saying that I see that as actually appealing. I'm just saying I see that that's that's it's just that there is there's a there's a trend is all I'm saying. <laughs> I fucking hate it here. You know, I, I genuinely like we'll put on the Rhodesian army uniforms and goose step our way right across the border. That'll be take them off. Ew. <laughs> Gonna need a big long bath. <laughs> On the river, you're gonna need all the water in the door. Oh, see, I was thinking we were gonna have to do it in tomato juice, like the way you do to get a skunk stink off of you. Well, remember, this is the, this is literally what on the first arc you fought. So yeah, we're wearing the Converse high tops and the booty shorts and the the camo jackets and the dumb gun being held wrong. And or is that a minesweeper? I can't tell. Now, I just want to say uh, for as a point of fact, Johnny is going along with all of this as is expected of him. Swearing all the stupid shit. He, he hates it. He hates it so much. He hates it the whole time. So how much does he hate the part of pretending to be speaking uh, Afrikaans? Oh, also a lot. Also extremely a lot. Oh, so much. John, John Doe can speak Africans and clearly like it helps sell the angry fascist image because John Doe spits every word like it's poisonous. To be fair, so does everyone who speaks Afrikaans. The dire Dutch. I hate that you said that. I'm not saying, again, you're not wrong. Let me give credit to my girl Lou. I hate it. It's right. I just, that's why I hate it. I think it's because it's correct. Sometimes you hate things because they're true. But yeah, you know, uh, but I think this is a good plan. Let's do it. Fuck the shit. Let's rock. Yeah, it's an awful plan, but it works. That's have you just, <laughs> you've been on the show before, right? <laughs> That's how we roll. We're all wearing weird new clothes. <laughs> Make bad plan. Bad plan goes either OK or bad. And then looks like we're going to have to fight our way out. <laughs> System four, fuck borders. Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Raid. Joaquin Jarv, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates.
Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlakse. They can be found at SGCADLASEC on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely imperceived. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Citadel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.